Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. And this is going to be part one of two of a Q&A extravaganza. Uh, this is the first day of August that I'm recording the this entire Q&A. Uh, and it's really Q&A, Q of August, questions of August is what we're talking about, right? Going into what I think we all would consider to be the final official month of summer. I know that summer technically goes to like the third week of September, but um, you know, this is the last month where the kids are home, people are taking vacations, and you know, once we get back into September, school starts back up. Uh, you know, fall sports start back up. Football. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like life gets a lot busier for everybody. So we got about a month left of the vacation season before we dive back into much more regular routine. And uh, I put it out there multiple times this week on uh, social media, <clears throat> mostly on Instagram, asking for your questions. And I'm going to record just a bunch of them today and then break them up here over the next few weeks to help us round out this summer on the right foot, address any questions that you may have, um, and uh, get you set up for success as we head into uh, the start of that fall season. And with that being said, you know, I want to let you know, uh, if you haven't heard already, I am planning on opening coaching applications back up as we head into the fall, as we head into the month of September. And I'm going to be doing that uh, near the end of August. I will have a official date for you very soon, but I want you to look out for it. I want you to keep your eyes peeled for the news about coaching applications open, opening because I'm actually going to be running uh, a sale that is insane. (laughs) Like it's literally insane. Uh, A gigantic, enormous discount off your first month of coaching. And I'm super excited to put that out there and hopefully help as many people as I possibly can. If you are looking for some uh, help, some guidance, want some coaching to put together a nutrition plan and a training program uh, that works you towards the goals that you have building muscle, burning fat, feeling healthier, feeling more confident. Uh, I would love to work with you and help you do that and make this fall the fall that you actually take steps forward as opposed to seeing your progress fall off. Because as we get into the fall and things get busier and we go back to school and sports start back up and then we run into the holiday season and there's lots of get-togethers with friends and family, it is the most challenging time of year to stay consistent with all of this stuff that is important, right? Sticking to your training program, being consistent with exercising on a regular basis, uh, eating the right things. That is so difficult because uh, of the things I just mentioned, there are so many more social gatherings and get togethers that happen and uh, situations that you maybe aren't in full control of and and need some help. Um, I would love to help you along that journey. So there is a link to my coaching page in the show notes to this episode. Uh, Please give it a, a look if you haven't before. And like I said, I will have more information for you in the coming weeks about coaching applications opening back up. I'm super excited to do that. And if you're interested, I would love to talk to you more about the goals that you have. Um, But yeah, like I said at the start, this is going to be part one of two of a question and answer extravaganza. I solicited a ton of questions on Instagram. If you're not following me, uh, I'm Chris Gates Fitness on every social media platform. So you just need to search for Chris Gates Fitness. You can just honestly even go to Google and search for Chris Gates Fitness and you're going to find my website, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, like 
YouTube, everything about me and my coaching business. So uh, if you're not following me in those places, I would love for you to do so. And then you can ask questions um, like we did here for this week's Q&A. And uh, we're going to dive into, in this part one, the first five questions. And I'll run through what those are for you right now. Question number one, I'm a college student. I only get six and a half hours of sleep a night. Is this going to affect my bulk? So How much does sleep affect you building muscle and getting stronger and seeing that type of progress? Question number two, uh, how to correct muscle imbalances in the arms and the calves? You know, it's it's quite natural for you to have a stronger side. One side will be stronger than the other. And how can you kind of correct for that um, to, you know, have fewer imbalances and be more functionally strong throughout your entire body, regardless of, of, of left side or right side or anything like that. Question number three, I want to start a new pre-workout. I'm unsure of how to start. Do I start with the serving size on the label? I want to talk you through the smart way to get started with pre-workout. If that's something that you're interested in, because I have my own personal horror stories of, uh, getting started the wrong way. So we'll go through the right way to do it. Um, question number four, in your opinion, what's the longest a person can take off without losing muscle? Really, really interesting question. So, you know, if you have to take a few weeks off from training, should you expect that you're going to lose some muscle, lose some strength and, and what should your expectations be? And then again, like even beyond that, what should you do to get back into it? We'll talk all about that. And then question number five, I only feel hungry for about two meals a day. Do you have any tips for me to get more protein? And I do, and we will discuss those here in just a moment. So those are the questions. I'm excited to dive in and let's get right into it. Okay. Question number one, I'm a college student. I only get six and a half hours of sleep a night. Will this affect my bulk? Um, so great question. Um, and I, I know that struggle. I think, uh, as a college student, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities going to classes, studying for tests. Oftentimes there's late nights and, you know, a lot of the social stuff with college as well is, (laughs) um, I remember when I was in college, like we didn't, we didn't go out until like nine or 10 o'clock. So I know that like (laughs) sleeping at night is not the uh, priority when you're that age and when you're in that, that, that phase of life. So I get it. Um, and I love that you're thinking about sleep because it is an important part of building muscle if you're in a bulk. So, you know, we focus so much on, okay, what am I doing in the gym to lift? What does my training program look like? Am I training hard enough? And am I doing all the things that I need to, am I doing the right exercises? And that type of stuff is important. And then for a bulk, you know, you're also thinking, okay, am I eating enough? Am I getting enough calories in? Am I, am I consuming enough protein? Am I, um, you know, are my carbs and fats dialed in the way that they should be? Am I eating the right meals? What foods should I eat? What foods shouldn't I eat? That's another thing that I think we tend to focus on a lot when you're training consistently hard and trying to build muscle. Um, I don't know that people focus as much on sleep. And so I love that you're thinking about sleep and uh, have questions about it because in reality, sleep is where the vast majority of those gains will actually take place. That's where they, where they will come from. Yes, you need the training stimulus. If you're not in the gym training hard, pushing yourself, uh, then you're not going to be giving yourself that stimulus that tells your body, okay, that was really difficult. We got to respond. We got to build some muscle so that it's easier to do that same thing in the future. That's in a nutshell, how muscle 
building muscle works. That's how it starts. And then you need to be feeding yourself, right? Having enough, getting in enough calories, um, consuming enough protein because protein provides the building blocks to your body that it needs to build that muscle. But like the actual repair, recovery, and growth where all of that gets utilized and put into action A lot of it happens at night when you're sleeping. That's where we secrete the most growth hormone is when you're sleeping. Um, So the more sleep that you can get, the better as it relates to building muscle. And a lot of other physiological mechanisms, like if you're just trying to be healthier in any way, shape, or form, getting more sleep is going to help you. But certainly for building muscle more sleep is better. They, They say most adults should get between seven to nine hours of sleep. And that applies to building muscle. I would say minimum, you'd want to get seven. If you can get eight, even better. If you can get nine, even better. But understandably, that's not reasonable or practical for a lot of people, depending on what phase of life they're in. Like I, I got two kids right now. We have challenges with sleep in our family. So you say you're getting six and a half hours of sleep a night, every night. That's not terrible. Okay. That's not terrible. Does it fall short of that window, that seven to nine window that we're looking for? Yeah, it does, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong. Uh, if you are maximizing the six and a half hours there and able to get that consistently, you're in a good spot, okay? Uh, and I would just say that like, if that's the most that you can get, then that's the most that you can get, and there's really no reason to stress over it. If you've put a routine in place to wind yourself down, to go to sleep at the same time every night, wake up the same time every day, and you are getting restful sleep for those six and a half hours, that's the best you can do right now. And you just got to maximize that window of time. And outside of that, I will go back to a lot of the things I already mentioned. That's going to make a lot of those other elements of building muscle and being in a bulk just a little bit more important. So, you know, you, you got to make sure you're training hard, You got but then make sure that your recovery mechanisms and your recovery habits are dialed in. So you're getting as much sleep as you possibly can. Are you eating enough calories? Are you getting in enough protein? Are you drinking enough water? Are you trying to keep your stress levels as low as you possibly can? Like the best you can do is the best you can do. And we go through these phases of life where things get difficult and then they get easier. You're optimized for certain periods of time and then other periods of time you're not going to be optimized and that's just life. So right now, your situation is six and a half hours of sleep a night is the best you can do. And I would say just do everything you can around those six and a half hours of sleep to maximize your goals, which is building muscle. So consistency with that training consistency with calories, protein, all the other recovery elements that matter. Um, And then having some type of routine in place where you're winding yourself down to get your head on a pillow around the same time every night so that you can have restful sleep every single night. And like I said, that's the best you can do. And if you're doing your best at the best you can do, then you, it's not going to negatively affect your bulk all that much. If at all you, that, that, that's the best you can do to maximize your progress. And I would also say you're in college right now. So you're probably in like your, your, I don't know, low 20, 20, 21, 22, somewhere in that age range. Um, you have youth on your side right now. Whereas like for me at 35, 
it would be a lot harder for me to maximize and optimize things in a bulk if I was only getting five or six hours of sleep a night. Lucky for you, you have youth on your side. Energy is a little bit easier to come by. You, you, you've got like, you know, a little bit more testosterone probably flowing through your veins and, and that's going to help you as well. So um, that is a benefit to you. And I think six and a half hours is fine optimize all of those other elements and I don't think you're going to see any negative impacts. Okay, question number two, how to correct muscle imbalances in the arms and the calves. So let's talk about muscle imbalances uh, real quick because these are super common and it's something that I think sometimes people fixate on more than you really need to. I know it's something I used to fixate on quite a bit when I was younger in my lifting career. It, it used to really bother me that my left arm wasn't as strong and defined as my right arm, but I'm right-handed. And like, as time has gone on and I've worked with more people, um, like you, you realize that like whatever your dominant side is, it's going to be a little bit stronger than your weaker side. And there's, that's normal. It's necessary. It should be that way. And there's, you're never going to make it perfect. Um, you, you, you really aren't. Even if you look at like the, the highest level competitive bodybuilders, like they will tell you that they have, you know, like one bicep is a little bit smaller than the other. Like, so even, even in the most perfect and optimized of circumstances, um, you're going to deal with this and that's okay. So I would say that first and foremost, that it's normal and you shouldn't expect to fully correct it and perfect it and, and make everything symmetrically perfect uh, on either side of your body. <clears throat> that's just that's just not realistic. Um, but you can do some work to correct those imbalances and uh, the, the best, uh, my favorite way to do it is um, lead each exercise with whatever muscle is the weakest and then try to just match that performance with your stronger side. So an example of that could be if you're doing uh, bicep curls, say you're doing dumbbell bicep curls, um, you would do them one arm after the other. So alternate, you know, do a rep with your left arm, right arm, left arm, right arm. And let's say that your left side is the weaker side. So that's what you would do. If you have a set of eight to 10 reps and you can only do nine reps on your left arm, then you're going to do nine reps with your right arm, which is your stronger side. And, and getting those nine reps should be a little bit easier with your right arm than it is for your left arm. But over time, as you do that and you let your weaker side dictate the, the threshold of you know what you work up to, whatever that workload is, uh, when you let your weaker side lead, it's going to catch up to your stronger side, if that makes sense. You do the same with calves. Calves is the other muscle group mentioned in this question. You could do standing uh, one-legged calf raises where you start, it will go, okay, if your left side is the weakest, well, you start with your left leg and you do calf raises on your left leg. Then however many you were able to do for that left calf, you're going to match that with your right because your right is the stronger side. Whatever side is weakest, lead with that and match it with your stronger side. I see, I have seen, not, not like all the time, but some people I think try to go a little overboard and say like, okay, if my left bicep is weaker than my right bicep, I'll do 
three sets of eight to 10 bicep curls with both, both arms. And then I'll do a fourth set where I'm just working my left arm. And like, I think that's a little bit overboard. I don't even know if that's effective. I don't know that that's going to be getting you so much more benefit, but by doing a set with just your left arm, um, it's, it's, you're not going to like close the gap super quickly. It's going to take a decent amount of time to have the one arm catch up to the other or the other calf catch up to the other. Um, and, and that, and again, that's okay. Like these muscle imbalances are normal. Everything is not going to be perfectly symmetrical, uh, but you can do little things like I mentioned where you let your weaker side lead to hopefully close that gap over time. But accept the fact and understand that it, that you it's never going to be perfect and that's okay. All right, question number three. I want to start a new pre-workout and I'm unsure of how to start. Do I start with the serving size on the label? Uh, I mentioned this at the start of the episode. I have my own horror stories <laughs> of starting pre-workout, and I will share that with you here. Uh, back when I started lifting and first heard of pre-workout, there was a product on the market. You may have heard of this. It was very, very popular in like the mid-2000s, and it was called NO Explode. Um, and... <laughs> I think like back when it first came out, there was actually some ingredients in it that was like, I guess like probably now is considered to not be legal and you can't get it in a pre-workout anymore. And that happens actually more often than you may think because the supplement industry is weird where like it's kind of regulated, but it's kind of not. And like some companies slip stuff into different uh, different pre-workouts or other types of supplements that like maybe they shouldn't be or like the supplements are made in the same factory as other supplements and like ingredients can kind of get crossed over into it. I mean, it's crazy that the whole supplement industry, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, error involved is, is what I'm saying. Um, but I tried NO Explode and I... <laughs> Here, here's the shot by shot. So I didn't start with what the label said. I think the label said just to do one scoop. I started with a half scoop and uh, I did it like a half hour before I was going to start my workout. And I was like, man, this feels really good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do another half scoop to get the, the full one scoop. And I did that and I started to feel even better. I was like, man, this is great. Well, what if I do another half scoop? And I think I might've worked myself up to like at least a scoop and a half, maybe two scoops. And, um, that was a huge mistake because I didn't make it to my workout that day. I ended up on the floor having incredibly painful, uh, like stomach spasms because I just dosed way too much caffeine and whatever other ingredients were in that supplement at the time. It was bad. I got really, really, really sick. And then I, I stopped using the pre-workout for a while and then decided to come back to it and just do the half scoop. And then I did a half scoop for probably a month or so and got comfortable with that, understood how my body reacted to it. Then I dove into going up to a full scoop. Um, And I think that that's probably the best way to go. If you've never taken a pre-workout before, or if you're trying a new one, like it's important to pay attention to the ingredients that are in your pre-workout. The main driver of performance and the main driver of, you know, how it makes you feel energetic and ready to exercise is the amount of caffeine in it. And from pre-workout to pre-workout, there are different dosages of caffeine in these different products. So like from one supplement company to the other supplement company, you know, one may have 150 
milligrams of caffeine. Whereas like if you compare it to another one on the shelf, the other one may have 300 milligrams of caffeine. Um, you need to be very mindful of how much caffeine you're putting into your body at one time. Uh, and that may dictate whether you do a half a scoop or if you go with a full scoop, um, that's important. And, and, and especially if you're taking a pre-work pre-workout for the first time ever, uh, start small. I would say start with a half a scoop and do that for at least a couple weeks. If you're just starting a pre-workout for the first time ever, that half scoop is going to give you the energy you need because you've never done it before, right? So you're introducing something brand new to your body and like specifically caffeine. I think we all know you build up a tolerance to caffeine over time. So even starting small, that's a pretty high dosage of caffeine at once where you're going to feel it. It's going to help you feel energized, energetic. You're going to have good performance in the gym. That's all you need. And then you could potentially scale things up as you move forward from there. Um, and like, I always recommend it, you know, when you hit a deload week or something like that to actually cycle off of pre-workout because of that caffeine tolerance that we build up because I, you know, I'm guessing you also probably have some type of caffeinated beverage, like, you know, coffee in the mornings, stuff like that. So it's probably not the only caffeine you're getting. And so the more and more caffeine you have, the more and more of a tolerance you're going to build up and the less and less you're going to actually feel the benefits of taking a pre-workout. So cycling off of pre-workout periodically is a good idea as well. Um, but I suppose that's, that's taking a few steps down the road here to your question of what do I do about starting a new pre-workout? Do I start with the serving size on the label? I would just say start small and pay attention to what's in that serving size on the label. So take a look at the, the caffeine content as it relates to the serving size. Typically the serving size is one scoop. So whatever it says the caffeine is per one scoop, take a look at that and try and compare it to you know, what your normal caffeine intake is. A normal cup of coffee is probably 75 milligrams of caffeine. So if you have a pre-workout where the scoop of pre-workout is like 150 or 200 milligrams, well, then that means it's more than double the caffeine of one cup of coffee. So, you know, consider that and, and, uh, you know, factor it into how it may make you feel and start small, you can add gradually over time if you want to, but don't end up on the floor uh, having stomach convulsions <laughs> like I did. And don't take NO Explode. Uh, you know, I really don't care what supplements you take, but that one, I, uh, I, man, just some, just some bad experiences. I'm sure it's better now, but uh, you know, just be careful. All right, question number four. In your opinion, what's the longest a person can take off without losing muscles? How the longest you can take off of training without losing any of the muscle that you've built It's a really, really good question. And, uh, you know, th there is truth to the fact that like, if you don't use it, you lose it. And, uh, <laughs> I, that, that applies to a lot of things in life, but certainly with strength training, um, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to build muscle. And I say this all the time, but like, I say it all the time because of how amazing it is. Like truly building muscle is an unbelievably amazing phenomenon. And I don't think enough people like realize it, but building muscle, you're, you're doing things that cause your body to actually build new tissue and a very specific type of tissue. You are building muscle tissue in your body. You're causing your body to like assemble cells and, and nuclei to build muscle. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I think like, I don't know, maybe it's because 
I studied this stuff in grad school and, and, and it makes you realize how amazing it is, but I don't think enough people factor into, you know, the, the whole process of how amazing it is when you do build muscle. Anyway, it takes a lot of work to build that muscle. And the shame of it is if you don't continue to train, you will actually lose the muscle that you built or you'll lose, you can lose a decent amount of the muscle that you built. But there's a lot of uh, context and details and nuance involved. So when we talk about how long can you take off without losing muscle, it seems like from a lot of the research that you can go like probably two to three weeks without training before you start to see some losses in muscle. And, and and let's let's be very clear about that. I'm not saying lose all of your muscle. I'm saying like around two to three weeks of no strength training, you may see start to see some of it, some, some, some of it start to go away. And, and I, you know, say that as like, you may start to see it. You actually probably won't see it. You probably wouldn't notice it until you go back into the gym and see that the same exercises with the same weight for the same sets and reps is a lot harder now than it was three weeks ago. Um, so it's, it would take a really, really long time for you to noticeably lose muscle. But like realistically, when you look at the, the physiology of it, the research shows that about two to three weeks, you start to lose muscle if you don't continue to train. Now, the cool thing is though, two things. Once you build muscle, it's actually much easier to maintain that muscle mass. So if you work up to a certain level of your fitness where you build a bunch of muscle, say you 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 know you go from being a beginner to adding 20 pounds of muscle to your frame, uh, you don't need to do the same workload to maintain that 20 pounds of muscle. You can actually do like potentially as low as like 20 to 30 percent of that workload that you had been doing to maintain it because really. your body is just reacting to the environment that you're putting it in. So you build muscle because your body is continually doing these difficult tasks and it has to build muscle to be able to continue to perform them. And once it builds that muscle, you can continue doing those tasks, but like at a much uh, lower volume. So if you're doing like 15 sets of chest to build up your chest, you, as long as you continue to train your chest, you could drop it down to like five or six sets a week and you're still giving your body that stimulus. You're still working those muscle groups, but you're just doing much less work that can actually help you still maintain the muscle mass that you've built. So if you have something, you know, some type of life situation coming up where you feel like you might not be able to train, well, even if you can get a little bit of training in and still work those movement patterns, um, still, you know, challenge your muscles in similar ways as you had been doing, you can probably hold on to the vast majority of that muscle with very little work. Okay. You just got to have the intensity high, but you can maintain it with very little work. The second cool thing is that if you cannot train at all, if you go through a period of time where you cannot lift weights, do anything that you've been doing for like three weeks, four weeks, month and a half, two months, something like that. The second cool thing is that once you've built muscle, it is exponentially easier to get that muscle back. And 
I'm not going to break down the physiology because I'm not the type of expert to do. I'm not a, you know, I'm not an exercise researcher, but I read a lot of exercise research and the the best way I can describe it is that like when you're building muscle, building tissue, like we talked about before, how unbelievably cool of a phenomenon that is. As you build that tissue, you build that tissue because uh, your body builds cells and nuclei for muscle. So you build these muscle cells, right? Um, when you stop training, those muscle cells shrink, but they don't disappear. The nuclei don't go away. So when you start to train again, if it is two months from now, six months from now, however long it ends up being, since those cells and nuclei are still there, you can build that muscle back exponentially more quickly than it took for you to build it in the first place because in the first place, you had to like build all these cellular structures. Whereas now, those structures still exist. They're still there. You're just, in a sense, reactivating them. And the, the size of them comes back. So the cool thing is, even if you do lose muscle, once you've built that muscle, it is much easier to get that muscle back. It'll come back super quickly. Um, so the I'll, 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 I guess I'll end it with this, is that like the whole concept of, I'm worried I'm going to lose the gains that I made because I have to stop training. It's actually something that you really don't have to worry all that much about. If you've been training consistently hard for an extended period of time, six months, a year, two years, however long it may be, um, you're going to be able to uh, get that muscle mass back even if you have to take a you know brief hiatus from training. So it's really, really cool stuff. Hopefully, I talked about that in a simple way that made sense. Makes sense in my head. Um, but I think it's really, really cool. And it's really, really, I think... Nice to know that you don't need to worry too much about it. Just get back to training when you can. And if you can train a little bit along the way, you may be able to maintain all of those gains that you made anyway. All right, the fifth and final question for this part one of the Q&A. I only feel hungry enough for like two meals a day. Do you have any tips for me to get more protein in? Um, and yeah, so, I, you know, everybody's different and some people feel hungry enough to eat five or six meals a day. Some people just don't have that type of appetite. But, you know, if you want to build muscle, you got to eat a certain amount of calories uh, and protein to be able to do that. And if you can only eat twice a day, that, that does pose some challenges. So... Uh, where we can start is first and foremost, like eating calorie dense and protein dense foods. Um, and within those meals, whatever the serving sizes of the protein you're having are increase them. Like, I know that's going to sound super simplified and like, okay, duh, I should eat more, but like, (laughs) that's kind of the way to do it. Right. If, uh, you know, you're, getting in like 100 grams of protein a day and you're trying to get to 150, well, honestly, like adding two more ounces of chicken to your day, which is not a whole hell of a lot of chicken, is going to, I don't know, give you like 20 to 30 grams more protein. That that applies to almost every meat protein source that you, that you eat. Um, so that's an easy way to do it right there. Um, carb sources. There are some carb sources that are very high in protein. You could just add a little bit more of them. So um, uh, many different rices come with a decently high amount of protein. I love basmati rice and it has a decent amount of protein per serving. Um, there's also things like quinoa. Quinoa has a decent amount of protein per serving. Uh, black beans, you can toss those into a lot of different meals. Those have a lot of diff- a lot of protein per serving. So there are ways where you can just 
either adjust the composition of your meals or quite simply add to the composition of your meals to get more protein in. Um, and you know, I, I guess it, the other way we can go is there, there are supplements that help people for this specific reason. Like if you struggle to get in enough protein a day, if you only have the appetite to eat in a certain amount of meals a day, like that's exactly what supplements were brought here to do. So many people use supplements as like a focal point of their diet, whereas supplements are called supplements because they're supplementary. They are to supplement your diet if you are lacking in some type of nutrient. And protein is a macronutrient. So if you struggle to get in enough protein, if you can only eat a couple meals a day, then having a protein shake perhaps when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed or in the middle of the day for a quick snack, a scoop and a half of protein is often like 40 to 50 grams of protein. That is 10 ounces of water with a one to two scoops uh, of protein powder. That is incredibly easy to digest. You don't need to have a huge appetite to take that in. And again, that's that's exactly what supplements were designed to do. If you really can't find a way to package the physical food together, the actual physical tangible food together to get you to where you need to be with a certain macronutrient like protein, then inserting something like whey protein to your diet could be super beneficial. So uh, hopefully that's helpful. But uh, thank you so much for the questions in this first part of the Q&A. I invite you to join me next week for part two of the Q&A where we're going to dive into uh, five more really fun questions um, that hopefully will uh, help you, like I said, get started on the right foot here as we go into August, start to get ready for the fall and everything that comes with that. So uh, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, I'm excited to give you more details in the next episode of the podcast about uh, when coaching applications are going to go live, uh, that discount I was talking about, and um, the link to my coaching page is in the show notes of this episode right now. So you can head over there to uh, learn more about coaching if you're interested. So thanks again for listening. Uh, I appreciate you and I will talk to you again soon.